to make the best decision or provide the best service to our community, the diversity of communication styles, voices, backgrounds, gender, whatever, will help us provide service to that exact same demographic better because we have, we as a group talk about it um, with people that have divergent from Mm -hmm. us. And, and I know it's not in human nature that we would love things just to be nice and easy, but that's the importance of the difficult conversations is that we have to make the best decisions and worry a little bit less about how we feel. And the best of decisions are made with the most divergent voices sitting at the table together. Good afternoon and welcome everybody to The Kitchen Table. In this podcast, we sit down with our guests to have real and honest conversations around all things leadership. We call it The Kitchen Table because we know some of the best conversations at the firehouse take place at the kitchen table. And the goal with the podcast is to focus the kitchen table conversation to talking leadership. And today we do have a very special guest on The Kitchen Table. We always talk about perspective here on this podcast as perspectives widen our views, expand our thoughts, push us out of our comfort zones, truly in what I believe in order to help us all learn as individuals and to help us grow as leaders. So today on the kitchen table, I'm excited to have the city of Issaquah mayor. We got uh, Mary Lou Pauly joining us today on the show. Good afternoon, mayor. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Hi, Berlin. I am great. Uh, Thank you so much for asking me to come. Of course. And uh, this conversation today, I'll give credit where credit's due. We had a fire chief Jeff Clark on the show a couple months back. And so we had an amazing conversation about leadership, his philosophy and his experience, uh, both from Arizona and obviously in Issaquah here. And uh, during the leadership challenge, I said, Hey chief, uh, is there somebody out there? And as you know, with chief Clark being, um, you know, the, the person that he is, he he took us for a turn in a good way. He says, you know what, I'm not going to give you a fire service leader, which all of our speakers uh, for the most part has been fire service or law enforcement. He says, will you reach out to either the mayor of Issaquah or Woodenville? And he said, uh, Mary Lou Pauly would, I'm sure would be uh, ecstatic to come on. And that's what stemmed my email to yourself and Regina. That's how we got connected. And so uh, we do have Fire Chief Jeff Clark to thank us for that. I did uh, listen to, is it the Issaquah? Yeah, uniquely Issaquah. So we, uh, um, I did get to listen to current Fire Chief Ben Lane in the podcast that you hosted him on. So that was good. And I listened to that and I encourage all the listeners. Yes, there is a uh, uh, Fire Chief Ben Lane is on a podcast that uniquely is a qual. So go to YouTube and you'll you'll find it. So so before we start, would you mind sharing a little bit about Mayor Mary Lou Pauly, as well as your journey into becoming uh, the city of Issaquah mayor, if you will? Oh, thanks, Berlin. Sure. Uh, I'll start off by saying I never thought I would be mayor. <laughs> I never thought I would run for an elected office. Um Growing up, I was one of those girls who was more interested in math and science and the Tonka toys and Legos than all of my friends. And I ended up going into engineering school. Um, so I spent most of my early career uh, on construction sites, working for local governments. And I lived in Canada at the time, so also provincial transportation. I was with drilling rigs and dump trucks and backhoes, and I was in heaven. I loved it. I had assumed I would be a public works engineer my entire life. and. Politics was for somebody else. Um, In 1993, 
three, my husband's uh, construction career um, took him to the United States. And he came on his own for about nine months and, and worked in California, but then he had to pick a location. So flew the family out, looked at Seattle, loved it, and came to the U.S. about 30 years ago on a, a very, very limited permit. So not a citizen, not able to vote. Uh, I was restricted in the number of jobs that I could apply for. Um, worked for a Canadian con consulting company and worked in environmental engineering and, again, outside on barges with dump trucks and backhoes and all that great kind of stuff that I loved. Um, I retired in my early 50s uh, and had been serving as a volunteer on a city board for about 20 years. It's the board called the Development Commission, and it's like a design review board that our city has. And I loved it. I mean, you're looking at plans and drawings and trying to envision what a new building or a new project is going to look like. Um, but I was increasingly frustrated with some of the built product that was getting built. And I thought uh, we had finally gotten our citizenship and I thought maybe I should throw my hat in the ring and run for council because from that seat, you are in a position to make decisions about what the future of the city is gonna look like. So that was about 10 years ago. Uh, and I was very, very happy council member in my policy role. Um, but I realized that someone was actually going to have to take another big leap and move into the administration and really sort of break down the conversations we've been having for years about the things that the community was frustrated about mm -hmm. and have some difficult conversations. And I'm, I'm good at difficult conversations. Oh, wow. So that did not worry me that much. You yeah. know, there was going to be conversations but being an elected versus being an employee um i would always envision myself just staying on the employee side of the picture our city's interesting though um the mayor does not vote in our city you really are like the head of the organization and we are 250 uh staff big and 170 million dollar year budget so it's a big organization and i get to use some of the skills um when i was working in consulting and in local government before. So it's probably in that way, it's pretty good fit for me. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the political side, especially in a hyper-partisan world that we live right now, definitely the least least uh, likable part of the job for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you moved to, I'm trying to get the timing right. So this is Issaquah. Issaquah was the first city that you became involved in politics. It's the only U.S. city yeah. I've ever <laughs> oh, is that right? Oh, I didn't. Okay. I remember you mentioned that before. I thought, okay. All right. Oh, we uh, yeah, were planning to come for two years and then go back to Canada, but fell absolutely head over heels in love and wow. and for the Issaquah that um, haven't really contemplated living anywhere else. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, Issaquah. Well, I mean, uh, obviously hiking, skiing, snowboarding. Is that okay? That's the big reason why. We did none of that before we came. So, yeah. The very interesting thing and the very compelling reason for us to stay was that we never did any of that before. So we took up mountain biking, hiking, backpacking, backcountry skiing, downhill skiing, cross-country wow, skiing. Wow, everything, literally. Kayaking, sailing. I mean, you name it, yeah. we took it up. And I think that is one of the, the, the hallmarks of this area. Yes, is why it's so hard. Yeah, and that's probably why you'll never leave now that you're so fully involved with all the above. I mean, you can't really get all of that anywhere else. So we talked a little bit. First of all, I haven't had too many conversations 
um, off, you know, on or off the record with, you know, politicians as mayors, as you know, the connections in the fire service is key, right? The relationship building, the, the being able to, you know, pick up a phone, send an email or text to someone. And uh, we talked about perspective. Um, I hope to change all that in that, you know, hopefully the fire service and someone like myself, firefighters, Lieutenant Scott, we can we can open up that door and just say, you know what, let's uh, let's go have a, a cup of coffee with our city council. Let's let's go learn about the how and the why. And so um, that's why I love this conversation today and what we're going to talk about. You mentioned a little bit, you know, when we had coffee that one time, as we talk about leadership and navigating as a leader, as individuals, you mentioned, uh, you know, being an authentic self. But then you also <laughs> mentioned, you know, the political side of things. Uh, do you mind unpacking that a little bit for our listeners just to kind of offer some uh, you know, because being an authentic self, we all we all want to do. We all want we all want to be authentic. Right. We all want, want to be our true self. But then at the same time, we also have to be who we are to be. Whether it be you know a fire service leader, whether it be a politician, whether it be X or Y, whether it be a firefighter driving the fire engine or a company officer, we still have the role that we have to play. So, can you talk a little bit about authenticity as well as politics? Oh, sure. And I think whether you're a leader in the private sector, or the public sector. Um, being authentic is just as equally important. I mean, the difference is I didn't get hired by, you know, um, some a board of directors or a CEO. I got elected by people who hoped that I would bring their voice to decisions that were made at government. And that's a that's a really big distinction. Um, it's also really changes how people might feel about leading as a politician in that um, do you always have to have the right answer for the particular group that you're talking to? Do you say something just to end an uncomfortable conversation early? Mm. Um, it's hard. It takes effort to be authentic all the time. And like I said about difficult conversations earlier, they're draining and they're necessary. So, um, you know, a lot of uh, aspects about being a politician are being likable and smiling and being in the right place and cutting ribbons and all that kind of stuff. But you have to, that, that is sort of just, to me, that is the ancillary sideshow. You know, those are very important things to do and people do want to see you, but more importantly, being an authentic politician, you have to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one and a lot of group conversations with the people that voted, voted to put you in that chair. And so it's pretty easy to, stay inside the building and do your job and just show up for photos of things. I spend a ton of time in coffee shops or at other people's meetings or at neighborhood parties or at a homeowners association meeting. And I just say, Hey, I'm here. Ask me anything you want. No bad questions, nothing off the table. I'll take time to explain the history of a decision that they didn't like. And it doesn't mean they'll like the decision better. But I, I feel like being a true servant leader as a politician, you should be spending more of your time with the community. And that that's a big lift. Like if this is a town of 40,000 people, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of opportunity to be out there and listening to folks. So um, I think I think that's how you get the information you need. But then you have to have that strength of character to stay true to, to yourself and to the community and be authentic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes people poke me in the eye and say, um, they didn't like what I said. And I'm like, that's fine, but we still have to talk about these things. Well, that's, uh, I, I, you, you just said one very, very important piece that I'm going to, you know, capture and lean on a little bit more as you, you'd mentioned, you know, you had to 
not just had to, we'll say get to, right? Because I, I, I always try to look at things as do I have to do something or do I get the opportunity to go do something, right? Because that's it's all, it's all about how you look at things. But you mentioned you'll have the opportunity to go out and meet with community, the, the citizens and have conversations. And, you know, it could be something, a polarizing topic, a topic that you, maybe your audience isn't even into or, or vice versa. You have, you have differing views, if you will. I know the answer to this question, at least I believe I do, but you know, I want the perspective from someone like yourself is how many times did you walk into some of these conversations and not see it the way they did, but then change and say, you know what? Wow. I never even thought of it like that. And then did that kind of help you grow, not just as a person, but also as a leader, as the mayor. And can you talk a little bit about the importance of that as we talk to our leaders about widening our views and saying, wow, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, as such a great question, Berlin. Um, I think the majority of the time I'm in a conversation with an individual or a group who are telling me about an impact that I had not considered. Um, and so, you know, we have big, big problems that we're trying to work on with complicated solutions. But in the end, it's, you know, the person on the street that feels the impact of a change or a project. So um, I think almost every time I would say my first two years as I've been mayor, six years, first two years, sort of just drinking out of the fire hose of how things work. Uh, Then COVID came um, and now I'm trying to play catch up and talk with people about, you know, how how did the decisions we made as a city affect them during COVID? So I made Mm -hmm. a significant effort to ask that question in places that I went, knowing that many people would have impacts that I didn't realize they had. Yeah, And so it just is, it's learning on the job and it makes your next decision-making process a richer one because you have, you have more information on things you didn't know. It's really dangerous to assume that you got picked because everybody thinks you're the smartest, strongest leader and you have all the answers. We need to be as humble as we can and take all of the input and impacts that people tell us about and put it into consideration for these really difficult decisions. So um, people want to be heard. People want good outcomes, healthy places to live. And I think to to really be the best at being a servant civic leader, you have to spend a lot of time listening to people who are unhappy yep. or have valid concerns about a very big decision that was made. Absolutely. I think, uh, I, I don't know if there is a, a bigger... I don't know if I would say the bigger learning curve, but how much you can learn from you. You mentioned trial and error. And a question that I have on that is, I mean, being, being the, the the city mayor, you mentioned trial and error and you learn a lot from conversations and meeting with people. Does your, we'll say, whether it be classes, whether it be training, are you constantly, how, how are you developing yourself as a city mayor to be able to be comfortable, but prepared these conversations and i ask of that because as we have our majority of our listeners be the fire service leaders and emerging you know leaders and company officers is you know we we need to prepare ourselves as well to be able to not just be able to do the job but to be able to go out and do kind of the things that you're doing encounter situations where like (laughs) oh my gosh i have no idea how did i I didn't how do i prepare for this so how does the mayor prepare um his or herself to put themselves in these positions to to say oh my gosh i this is so uncomfortable, but here I am. Is it all trial and error or is there some preparation? No, I think there's a there's a way of thinking about how you go into these situations. 
one is you don't know what you don't know yet. So be humble. Um, you know, do the best research you can do. We have an amazing staff team here at the city. So they they can see my calendar. They can see that I'm doing an interview or yeah. going to talk to owners group. And they will say, hey, here's what we've heard. So I really, really rely on them to give me some background. But then I assume that's only 25% of it. And yeah. I really <laughs> have to sit there and be willing to take in and absorb, mostly listen, to the 75% that the community group wants to tell me about. And that is usually a whole bunch of um, thoughts and comments that, you know, my staff didn't come up with. This is what it, it it feels like to the community. So you have to be patient. You have to assume that you don't know most of what you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really have to let people know, even when they're saying difficult, uncomfortable things, you have to repeat it back to them. I think this is what I heard you said. And if and allow them the chance to say, no, Mayor, you're not listening. Yeah, <laughs> that is not what I meant to say. And you have to go, then let's try this again. Yeah. So that's sort of the trial and error part is that it made people's communication styles are different. Yes. People can have a lot of emotion when they're talking about an issue. And so you just have to feel like the most important thing is getting all the information on the table. And I, I've had some really interesting, as you can imagine, in this polarized uh, mm-hmm. political place that we're in. Um, these are nonpartisan jobs. So I'm yes. not a anything kind of mayor. I'm just a mayor. But I have had some challenging conversations with residents that were very, very partisan. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we'll do it in a coffee shop and other people will hear. And uh, I got to say, a lot of times at the end, they say, well, I don't like your answer, but thank you for listening. And you yeah. seem like a nice person and you seem like you're trying. And so, you know, you have to expect you have to take a chance and expose mm-hmm. yourself in those conversations to be authentic. Um, but you don't all walk away saying, well, at least we're on the same page now and we're yes. going to do the same. Thing. It just, life just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it doesn't. Absolutely. I, so I saw the humility is the biggest thing there. I guess a question I have is you have to have the humility to have a conversation with somebody. And then, like you said, have them say, no, that's not what I'm saying. I look at that and I hear that and I see, you know, from a firefighter perspective, like, oh my gosh, like, like on the defensive. Um, but yeah. what you're telling me is uh, to be a good leader, you need to not be so defensive at times. Yeah. It's okay for someone to say, you're actually not hearing what I'm saying. And instead of taking that, like, oh my gosh, are you paying attention to me? Instead, take a step back and say something like, Oh, I, I apologize for the, you know, I misunderstood what you're saying. And, you know, can you help me understand what it is that you're trying to say yeah. so I can comprehend this? So that's, let's, let's uh, try this. Yeah, okay, let's I'm try not, this again. I've got more time. Let's try this again. I need to walk away really understanding what yeah. it is that's bothering you. So, yeah, yeah, you have to be humble and you have to be patient. Be patient and like you said, that. you know, we, we have busy schedules. And so it's really easy to be inauthentic and yes. just say, I'm done. I've got yes. another appointment. Yeah. Which feels terrible. That feels yeah. terrible to people. Absolutely. So. Consider how they're, I mean, consider their feelings. Oh, yeah. So the topic that, uh, another topic that I want to get into is uh, on this podcast, we we have what we call the hot coffee time. And the hot coffee time is, is really, it's uh, it's exactly that. It's a hot topic and it's a controversial topic. And although this is controversial to some, it's a very comfortable conversation for some as well, specifically diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. And I know yeah. that's uh, 
I mean, whether people call it, it's a buzzword in today's day and age. Well, no, it's, it's the fire service catching up to where the rest of the world has been for the last 15 years. And so uh, with diversity, equity, and inclusion, I guess from the city council side, from the politics side of things, can you talk a little bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion, the importance of every, I know it's, I'm being very vague here, but we'll go down any road that we want. The, the importance <laughs> of a diverse workforce, the importance of having equitable opportunities to community in the fire service, the public sector, the importance of creating inc- an inclusive environment for employees to engage and to you know perform at a high level. All of the above. Sure. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, what, three hours now? Yeah, uh, four, uh, three and a half, two and a half now. But I know it is, it, it can be lengthy, as we all know. But we'll, uh, we'll tackle one or two and then we'll go from there. Well, I'll tell you about some of my learning, learning points as mayor. Um, when George Floyd was murdered during the COVID pandemic, um, I was um, listening to and working with uh, individuals in the community that I had never met before. And learning very quickly that while my experience coming from another country 30 years ago was welcoming, theirs was not. And just lots of examples of this is how I was treated in a bank. This is how I was treated in the pub. This is how my child is treated at school. I started to engage with the group called Right to Breathe that was established during that time and really tried to take my humble self into the conversation um, with Uh, some uh, colleagues that were in this group and I just embarrassed myself, you know, fell over backwards trying to say how I understand and how I get it. And I was repeatedly told you have no idea what we go through. And so you can, you can act as sympathetic as you want. You can convince yourself that you're not part of the problem. Here's the reality. You don't know what we go through. You don't know the struggles and if you want to know the struggles, you have to invite us to the table. And so we had decided we were going to form a new city board called the Equity Board. And during COVID, we put out a call. I think we got more people applying for that board than any other board we've ever had. Um, I invited one of the gentlemen, Paul Wally from Right to Breathe, to join me in the interview process with my uh, human services manager. Because I said, you have totally made me aware that I really don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. So the three of us interviewed a whole series of wonderful candidates um, from within Issaquah and just outside of Issaquah. And I only had known two or three of them before. And so these were voices and faces that um, I'd never I'd never been with before. Um, I let Paul and Monica lead the um, sort of evaluation of candidates. And, you know, I had my rankings, but I thought, you know, let's just see. Well, we didn't match up <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I just went with what they said. And it's the first board where we've ever had a Hispanic translator. It's the first board or government meeting that I know of that we've had a translator at. It's a permanent part. Our materials are produced in two languages. And then we have language assistance. Um, they have fabulous conversations expressing a lot of frustration. Mm-hmm. So a huge teaching moment for me, you know, I'm in charge of an organization that thinks it's, you know, fair and equitable and we have a ton of work to do. Yeah. So for me, I went from thinking 
Wow, I get it. I think I understand racism and and you know, we need to do something to saying you don't understand it because you mm -hmm. haven't experienced it. And the people who have experienced it are the best ones to have the conversation. Yeah. So our equity board has done some absolutely fabulous work. Um, yeah. And the one piece of my um, enlisting on conversations and discussions at the political level, I still hear a lot of people who look like me telling me what the solution is mm -hmm. for diversity and inclusion. And we're not the ones to do this. Yeah. We're not the ones who've been left out. We're not the ones who haven't had access to jobs. We're not the ones who have 14 different barriers to climb over. So even at the elected level, I look at it and I, I call time out. Like mm -hmm. we're not the ones to make, yeah. have that conversation and make that decision. And we're all good people here, but yeah. this is not our conversation to have. Um, so that, that's been one of my biggest learning yeah. um, things about what my organization, what we need to do better in our community. My hope is that this carries into, you know, reviewing all of our policy and practices. We have a really awesome thing going now where each of our departments is bringing a project or a proposal to our equity board and, and, and saying that same thing. Tell us what we don't see. Tell us what we don't know. You yeah. know, where are we missing the mark? Yeah. And really empowering them to be honest and, and not, not polite or sugarcoated yes really honest. tell us what we need to do differently right i mean an honest conversation what what conversation is productive if it's not an honest conversation otherwise you're just having a conversation that has no merit won't get you anywhere i have a quick question on that you, you had mentioned it's something super important you 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 had mentioned people would bring you an issue and you took it upon yourself to recognize you you know what i don't have your lived experience i I can understand and comprehend that, but not everybody can. Uh, right. My question is, did you take, it sounds like you didn't take offense to that and no. you opened yourself up. What would be the implications if you say, right? Because not everybody, let's just say, would have that kind of open mindset, if you will, in a position like such as yourself uh, as the yeah. mayor. What would be the implication of someone not being open to saying, you know what, you're right. I don't hear what you're saying. Yeah, or, you know, and uh, this is what it is. But you are open to that, we'll call it flexible thought in the sense that I can hear where you're coming from. Let's put together this equity board. This yeah. group is going to bring the ideas because I don't have those answers. It take, uh, Going back to humility, it takes humility to say, you know, what? I don't understand, but please help me. So I guess the question there is, it sounds like you didn't take offense to that. Instead, you opened yourselves up to say, hey, let me learn. So first of all, we that's important. Yeah. What what would happen if 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 that wasn't your let's say mantra, if you will? Great question. Um. Well, first is uh, I'm an empathetic person. They weren't telling me I wasn't empathetic. They were telling me um, empathy is not the same as lived experience, and that whatever you do for me without me, you do to me. So if that that to me wow. was like Powerful. you're right, I don't know. I don't, I, I can feel bad about what I hear. You're not telling me I'm not an empathetic person, but you're telling me that doesn't fix structural systems and real blocks that people face in order to, to have a thriving, welcoming life. Um, I guess what I took home from it, and I have to tell you, it really, it, those are really hard conversations to sit through with um, uh, right to breathe about why I wasn't, um, 
understanding well enough, I I didn't feel great. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's part of the thing about difficult conversations. This isn't happy time. This is yeah. truth time. Yeah, this is... I can do better, and you can help me. So I went I went away from those conversations feeling, wow, that was that was really uncomfortable. Wow. Really uncomfortable. I could decide to just stop the conversation. Yes. Yeah. I could decide that me being empathetic and my staff being empathetic is enough, or I could be a problem solver, which is maybe my engineering brain sneaking in going, so what are these problems? Yeah. How hard are they? And the only people that could tell me are the people who felt them, the people who have been denied jobs, the people who have been denied, you know, have to go through extra hoops to get a mortgage, the people who have a language barrier, an economic barrier, mm-hmm. any of the above. And none of that's me. So, wow. So I am uh, I ran on not doing things for yeah. people, you know. Oh, I and I get very frustrated in political conversations when politicians are saying, you know, we feel so bad so we're going to do this. I go, well, who in this room I, is I, even I, ever experienced yeah. what we're trying to fix? This is insanity. You, we don't have I, the right people. I think Wow, I mean, I, I I love that you say that, because it's it's I I believe I need to hear that we need to hear that because it's uh it is powerful. Do you get pushback or have you got pushback from even your your own? And I, the reason I bring it up is because um, you know from the fire service side of things inside the fire stations, the conversations around this topic, we get there's pushback. I mean, I guess that goes without saying, but even at the council level, you know, what you just said is we need to bring in others that don't that that see it and felt it and lived it differently than we have in your in-group if you will i think i put what i would call in air quotes substantial weight on the recommendations of the equity board when they spend their time talking through these issues with the most diverse cross-section of any board that we have and they come with a recommendation you know the council leadership the council itself is the one who adopts and accepts it I would love to see an activated recruitment of individuals with different backgrounds and cultural histories to councils. And that's not happening right now. Mm -hmm. Councils across our region do not, for the most part, reflect the demographics that live within their community. Neither does ours. For many individuals, they still haven't connected the dots. Mm -hmm that you can be a good person, you can be an empathetic person, you can want to help people, but no, you should be not be making these decisions uh, about how we get rid of the equity barriers because you haven't got a clue. Interesting. You just don't. And you're still a good person. Exactly. And you're still empathetic. Yeah. But you're not the yeah. this conversation. Yes. And when they speak, you need to listen Absolutely. and you need to take it with significant weight. Yes making policy decisions. Absolutely. And you mentioned uh, right now the, the reflection piece of, you know, the, the board members to the community. And I guess we could just bring that right into the fire service itself, because I'm sure you've heard it, but let's just, let's just go right there. I've, I've been involved at the DEI committee level in our organization. I've, I've been assisting and having conversations with hiring, recruitment and retention, belonging, all the above. So yep. uh, this is a hot topic in terms of, you know, a lot of people will you know, side with one way. Other people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, know, I don't even know why we're doing this. But mm-hmm. uh, can you mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit from the, uh, the the political side of a diverse workforce? 
first of all, necessary? And then can you, I, I guess I would know the answer, but I don't want to, you know, fill in the blanks, but what is it necessary and the why from the political side and the community side? Well, and I think when you sit in a, a mayor's chair, I, you can, you can see the impacts that power can have on structural systems that really stop people from um, feeling welcome or able to apply for things. So, you know, we tend to know people to recommend from job for jobs that are very much like us. And diversity, equity, inclusion is it doesn't shouldn't really be about like who you know or who you're comfortable sitting in a room with or who your kid plays ball with or whatever. It really should be that anybody that is qualified can apply for this job, but feels like they were welcomed to apply for this job. And so I think um, I think it's going to be a, a long journey, but uh, I'll give you a couple of examples where I think we are making some headway. One, uh, well, a good example and a bad example. So our equity board has come up with two really great um, projects. One was they created a cultural calendar. They went out to our, all of our community groups and said, what are the days that are important to mm. you and in your culture? And what are the ones that come with family obligations, diet restrictions, et cetera? And we will map that out on a calendar and have our council adopt it. And we won't have meetings on significant holidays. Right. So for the first time ever, Jewish holidays showed up, uh, Muslim holidays showed up, many kinds of holidays showed up. Um, that was good work by the equity board adopted by the council, but you can't stop there. If you stop there, then you've done checkity. You checked a box. Mm, checkity, you wow. went further and said, we will continue to put effort into talking about why we don't work on those days. So our communications team constantly puts out, today is blank. And you know this uh, part of our community is celebrating. This is how they celebrate. And so I was working with some uh, tribal council members from the Snoqualmie tribe, and they said, you know, just, you know, if we tell you to adopt some language and you adopt it, and then you never talk to us again, you haven't done, you haven't done it. Yeah. You have to agree to continue to have continuous skin in the game after give of your time, give of your resources to continue to move it. So it's not like we have an equity work plan and we'll get through it and we'll be done. Yeah. So that was the good. The not so great example was that they all they came up with something called an equity checklist, um, which was if we're going to make a policy decision, ask yourself these 12 or 14 questions. Um, it went to our council for adoption and they pushed back and sent it back and said it was too many questions. And the equity board is pushing it back again, saying these are all important questions. Right. So now you've got this. Oh, so this group that we've given significant weight to yes. who is told. Here's a lens you can use to build your own DEI muscle. Yeah. Have been told, Push could back. you go rework it? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And again, that's we're gonna get there. Yes. We're gonna get there. But that is that's the kind of um that's a challenge. We right? just haven't evolved enough yet. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. Those were a couple of examples of you know how hard this work is and yes. why it is not just going to be a one and done. Oh, yes. it's like for training. Let's just yeah. get it done. So, yeah. no, no, yeah. this is, this, this is like a value, an intrinsic value. This is like honesty, fairness, yes. Yes. equity. It is not, yeah. it's not flavor of the month. It's something that 
we have just not done very well before yeah. and we have to work on ourselves yes our personal selves to make it the kind of value that honesty is with us yes, you know i totally it agree right inside our heart uh question on this equity board because I, I love it how many people are on the equity board and is it all obviously it's obviously within city city of Issaquah citizens um we have sort of different rules uh, we allow individuals from just outside of the Sequoia to also participate. Mm. So what we wanted to do was to make sure that we got as many different voices on yes. it as we could. So we have some folks from the South. I think we have a gentleman that lives in Miramont. Okay. I believe we might have from Sammamish. Um, it was really to make sure that um, they would have the most robust conversation and even they would surprise themselves with what they would hear from other people. Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess there's uh, eight to nine, okay. but it could be, okay. could be more. Yeah. Um, ish, 10 ish. Would ish. you say, would you say the equity board, when was it, uh, is it 2010, uh, 2020? When, when was it officially formulated in city of Issaquah? Ah, let's see. We said George Floyd was murdered in 2020. Yeah. We said, down and wrote a, a plan, uh, equity and human services work plan. It's a couple pages long. And one of the items there was to create the board. So it probably took another six to nine months to okay. stand it up. So it, yeah. later that year, if not the beginning of the next year. So I guess my question yeah. is that equity board um, is obviously was found deemed necessary, but the work that has been, has gone through there and since it's been stood up successful, we'll start with that successful. Yes. Yes, I, I, I has a little, the word successful. Yeah, it's hard to measure successful, right? Um, uh, yeah, I think they Favorable, have, maybe that's a better word, favorable. Yeah, they have taught us a few things, yes. which is great. Um, but we are very imperfect still, and Absolutely, we have many sure. have with them. Yeah, and I guess where I where I go with that is knowing from that, in your, in your opinion, your expert opinion and personal opinion, necessary in other organizations, We'll say, for example, the fire oh. service, but others, right? Like, I know the city of Seattle and the Seattle Fire Department, because I was talking to Chief Scoggins, uh, we talked about this quite a bit on getting the uh, racial and social uh, justice board involved in, in the selection of committees, how individuals are put yep. on committees in their fire department. And so I guess where I'm going with that is um, not every organization has, whether it be public or private, has something such as the equity board. Um, it's still new to some, but even those that I'm sure initially, I guess a question I'll have before I get to this one is uh, when, when standing up that board, was there pushback initially? Like, well, why are we doing that? Like, what's that for? Was there a little bit of that? Um, no, not really. I, okay. There wasn't any pushback. There was a lot of, we don't understand what they're going to do. Okay. There you, you go. Know? Yeah. Like what, what is DEI? Yeah. What are we doing wrong? I'm like, well, we're ha we're going to have the board to find out what we're yeah. what we can do better. Yeah. Um. So there wasn't any pushback for sure. And when we talked about what would this board um, work on in particular, I told them I was thinking of concentric circles. So first, I would love them to just look at this 250 person organization that provides local services. Look at what we do and help us do what we do better. And then we ought to look at what's going on in the community. And if there are organizations that can pick up and you know use some of the equity boards projects that they're doing within their own organization. And then the third would be just at the community level at large. I mean, I, what I'm really excited about is the 
Equity Board, uh, we have uh, in the area several Juneteenth events happening. The Equity Board wanted to make sure it was very important to them to have one on Monday, June 19th. Mm-hmm. And so they planned one and it's going to be at the community center. And uh, some of the pushback I get sometimes is that there are already a bunch of other events, but this is my BIPOC equity board telling me that it's important to them that it be on the 19th. Who am I to say, well, why can't you just go to the other one? Yeah. I mean, that's that that again goes back to the, I'm doing it for you. Remember I'm doing it for you. Not, not a good thing. So I'm really excited that there are multiple events. Yeah. And I think as our equity board's influence moves beyond just my administration and maybe some other organizations in town, that they just have a big footprint in the community. So everybody doesn't feel like in order to take this journey, you also have to stand up a board. Not necessarily. Right. You have to um, acknowledge um, that we need to do better. Yes. And who's out there doing good things? And, and one of the questions I got from a couple other cities was, can we see your cultural calendar? I go, yeah, but it won't work for you. Your community is completely different. This is what's important to the Issaquah right. community. In five years, my community yeah. may be different. We should go back out and find out what we've missed. So, yeah. you know, there, again, no chequity. Yes. You know, oh, let's just Issaquah's calendar and we're done. No, go no. out and talk to your community. Yeah. Right. So, but no, we, we haven't had a lot of pushback. Okay. Well, I, did, yeah. I, I just I, I look at that and how that would work in something like in our organization is, you know, if we had something along the lines of if you were to invite, you know, multiple ranks, multiple, I mean, you name it, different uh, with groups to come together to form a committee just to make sure we see things from all angles before we just decide to make a decision, uh, a holistic decision on whatever it may be. I just see the equity board just being because at the end of the day. What bothers me, and I don't even want to say bothers, is DEI is used as a, a synonymous term within each other, which like diver- diversity is is a different definition than equity. Equity and in- inclusion is very different than equity. It, it It's yeah. termed together, but we're, when we talk about diversity, we're talking about, you know, a, a bunch of things. When we talk about equitable opportunities, not to be confused yeah. with equality, right? But equity brings out a whole piece of another thing and being inclusive and all that is it brings. So it's just important to recognize that when we talk DEI, it's it's not just all or nothing. We're talking about a bunch of things here, a bunch of things here, a bunch of things there. And it's just pieces of the puzzle that we're trying to improve and expand upon just to make our organizations and, and I'll better. say better, but yes, better, but also just, I guess, improve is another word, but change is good. I mean, you can't, yeah. you can't improve if you're not changing, right? By definition, changing is a thing that allows us to become better and improve than we were, you know, yesterday. So as we talk about hiring, because it's, it's a topic that we, we go through all the time in, in the fire service, our organization, and those within the region, is there a value public employees to reflect the community? I think if we're successful, it's a natural outcome. Yeah. So if we do our work well, yeah, this is where we should end up because statistically speaking, you would think that this would all balance out when all the barriers are removed, right? So if we do it well, that should be an outcome. I think what's difficult for people to understand is if you have barriers in place, and you know, I know this from being an engineer in the 1980s when there was like three of us, if you have barriers um, in place, everybody you're talking to in the room 
is missing out on a perspective. Mm -hmm. They don't know what they don't know. So there is voices that aren't at the table. And to make the best decision or provide the best service to our community, the diversity of communication styles, voices, backgrounds, gender, whatever, will help us provide service to that exact same demographic better. Because we have, we as a group talk about it with people that have divergent from mm-hmm. us. And, and I know it's not in human nature that we would love things just to be nice and easy, but that's the importance of the difficult conversations is mm-hmm. that we have to make the best decisions and worry a little bit less about how we feel. And mm-hmm. the best of decisions are made with the most divergent voices sitting at the table together. Um, as a community in general across the country, we've just decided not to do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a shame. I have a friend I met last night at a board meeting, and he's a, he's a liberal. And um, we stayed after the meeting, and he said, you know, I only hang around with liberals. I don't even know any conservative people. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to an event on Saturday morning with a conservative author that I know. Like, do you want to come along? Because he has these you know, uh, Central American dinner parties that are super fun and they talk politics and everything social. And he goes, I'd love to. Mm-hmm. So we got to get back to, yes. I, I want to hear what I don't know. I yes. want to hear from someone who thinks the opposite on right. that situation. And I, for me, I want to mm-hmm. be a bridge builder and opportunity maker. So he and I are going to go to this event together. I'm going to introduce him to one of my conservative friends and his yeah. friends. And maybe we're it. all going to have a meal together. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, and that's, I think you're speaking to every listener here. I hope at least, you know, is put yourself in a room with a bunch of people that think differently than you. And uh, once we find ourselves in rooms where people look different, think different, offer different opinions and views on things, that's where we continue to grow as, as individuals and as leaders. Let's, let's go here because we like to talk about things that we could start doing today. So I've, I've broken this down into three groups And based on what we talked about today, from the mayor's perspective, from an elected official's perspective, offer a tip for these leaders to start doing, to grow and to become better as firefighters and as leaders. So for the first group is the newer employee. Talk to a recruit, a probationary firefighter, someone that's new. What's something in your opinion that those individuals can start doing today to grow as leaders, to foster an environment of DEI for better self-care, to learn perspective? Anything, any or all the above. Oh, that's great. I mean, I know within the fire service, even if you're a new recruit, there's lots of opportunities to join different tables. I would suggest join the table that you think you would be least comfortable at. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, love it. Take a step. Learn, learn that those are the best opportunities for growth versus sitting at a table where we think we already maybe have a lot of information or a lot to offer. Go to another table. Yeah. Go somewhere where you're really going to struggle. I love it. Growth, forced growth. I forced love it. growth. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure if this is any different, but how about the aspiring leader, the aspiring company officer or new officer, something that they could do to start growing as well? Yeah, it's an interesting shift when you move up from uh, being on the line to being um, in charge of a group or a team that is still on the line. I think there's a, the bigger challenge for that 
leader is going to be that now they're in what I would call a three-way communication place. Mm -hmm. They have to um, have their communication style with their team as a leader of their team. They also have to develop a communication style with, um, I I call it managing out, being able to work with other people that are in their roles, whether it's in their own organization or another organization, and then learning how to manage up. You have a boss above you who is expecting you to not only lead your team, but participate in higher level leadership conversations as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to think about which audience you are working with, which setting you are in, and what leadership skills you need to bring to the table. Those are three very different things that somebody sure. who is in sort of a command position has to yes. learn how to do. Sounds like being very uh, flexible and willing to learn and be different three-way communication. I love that. Uh, every audience. Yeah, is you're different. growing, you're growing your community. You're, you're broadening your communication toolkit because yeah. all of those three audiences are very different yes. and your role in each of them is, is different as it's well. It's different as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. And lastly, how about the senior or, or established leader at an organization? This could be battalion chiefs, division chiefs, assistant chiefs, fire chiefs. What's something that they could do to grow as leaders uh, based around anything that we've uh, had a conversation about today? Oh, great question. Um, you know, serving on the Eastside Fire and Rescue Board, I mostly was um, working with uh, deputy chiefs and chiefs. And I think when you are in such a structured organization like fire service, you are the amount of training that you receive to do your job um, the way you need to do your job is so much more intense than in other organizations. And that is why I think we do such a good job. Um, but it can also be a blind spot. Mm -hmm. So you are a form of public service. There are many other aspects to public safety, public safety being the very most important thing that a man, a city mayor ever worries about. Um, it's learning how, um, not, you know, not just being expert in EMT and fire, but learning about what police does. What does our human services outreach team do? What are all the other partners in the systems of care and support that we have for emergency services? Because it, I, I would think with all that training, I mean, um, it's maybe harder to get your head up sometimes and yeah. say, boy, I got to think about more than just my guys who, my team that showed up on the site, but there's two other teams here and yeah. we have to get the best outcome. And I think one thing across the region that we are striving to do and making some strides in is really having better systems of care for comprehensive teams, teams that are made up of different service sectors. And that's great. So not just the fire chief association meetings, which are wonderful as training opportunities and growth opportunities, but larger regional teams um, that, that really, make it seamless for the person that we're helping, that they're Mm -hmm. getting everything they need from all our different teams. And I did get to go to a fabulous couple of uh, conferences this year about systems of care. And I'm just super excited about possibilities and some of the conversations that are going on right now. I think we are all learning what the hospitals do, what the EMTs do, what our behavioral outreach folks do, and how can we do it better? So I think that would be my big challenge for chiefs is, You've got your professional, well-trained, well-oiled machine, um, but you are part of a bigger system of care. Yes. You contribute to improving that system. 
Oh, thank you so much. And uh, I think um, Chief Clark, when he was on here, basically said the exact same thing that you just said over the last two minutes. He actually uh, said that we should all be thriving to not just be good at EMT and fire, but to learn what police is going through, to learn what the other issues and problems and challenges, if you want a better word, challenges that the other divisions, teams, or organizations around us are dealing with, and not just be too focused on what are the fire service issues. Well, everyone's going through their issues. Find out how that interrelates with the fire service, and that'll kind of help round us all out as leaders. So, yeah, what you just said. That's not surprising because he was my mentor. So I guess you're (laughs) going to have to tell him that his mentorship worked. (laughs) Well, I will. I I will tell him exactly that, and I will. uh, He'll see this once we publish the uh, the show. He will see it, and uh, you're his challenge, and so he will listen to it, and I'll hold him to that. I'll say, Chief, so it's been two weeks. Did you listen to the podcast? Um, so I want to ask one, one, one more thing, the quote, I love it because if I I always like to give credit when I say a quote from someone, the quote that you had mentioned about, uh, it was about the equity. And if, if you don't speak for me, but you're making a decision Mm -hmm. for me, what was that quote you said? What you do for me without me, you do to me. Uh, and it has been, I, I wish I could accredit it to the original author because I think I heard it two or three times before I went, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's that powerful. Is amazing. It is. And it- I've kind of, it's kind of been like a, a North Star for me when someone comes up and says, oh, the city should do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, so who's affected? Oh, yes. they come up and ask us to do this. Maybe there's a better idea that uh, maybe there's something else they would like us to do. So it's really been a North star for me. That's, that's powerful. Thank you so much. And I'm going to uh, keep that forever and use it and credit you every time, every time it's said. <laughs> um, all right, let's just go to this the leadership challenge. We're here today because uh, you took uh, Jeff Clark's, you took him up on his challenge. He said, you know, reach out to a mayor, uh, reach out to Mary Lou Pauly. She would be a great candidate to talk leadership. So we get to further the conversation and ask mayor, is there someone else out there? It could be fire service related or not at all. Uh, Someone that you believe would be a good candidate to come share a leadership message here on the kitchen table. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I love that question. You know, I think we spent a lot of time today talking about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion and the kinds of uh, systemic barriers that exist out there, our attempt to identify them, our attempt to mitigate them. There are leaders in that area, some fantastic individuals out there right now that um, have much more... Uh, detailed and thorough thoughts on how we can move forward as a community and as a country. And I think having one of them, and I can reach out to a couple that I have worked with through um, uh, Right to Breathe. I think that would be great um, because I do do believe this is going to be one of our biggest learning moments for the Mm -hmm. next decade or two is that we have to focus on this until it's just there. It's just a core value of every organization and every exactly. person. Yeah. So I would, I'd let, I would love to do that for you. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, I'll, how about I'll just shoot you an email and uh, we'll gather somebody and then we'll, we'll see how far the conversation can go. So thank you. So thank let's, you. yeah, let's leave it with this lasting leadership thoughts to our listeners before we close. I think people mistakenly assume that leaders are born as leaders and that some people are not born to lead. I think everybody has the ability to lead, um, but it's hard work to get there. Mm -hmm. And so find somebody who believes in you and um, 
and take a chance and get out of your comfort zone. Yes. Remember the yes. very first time I put my hand up in university to, to you know, to be class rep, I was terrified. Mm -hmm. It's just not something for me, but take a chance, find yes. somebody that will encourage you, mentor you, coach you, that you can go and talk to and just, just believe that everybody can lead in one yes. way or another. Oh, thank you so much. I'll, uh, I'll close with a statement and then we will uh, we'll close. So thank you everybody for tuning in today to the kitchen table. We truly hope you found this time valuable and we hope that you, we've inspired you to take action to lead and to spread this leadership conversation. Uh, for now, stay safe, be intentional and stay curious.